uh, from on Easter Sunday, but it's probably my favorite passage of Scripture regarding the, the resurrected Christ. And um, the title of my sermon is The Road to Emmaus. The Road to Emmaus. Now, before we get into that, though, let me just share kind of some, an illustration here, and you're going to wonder why I'm kind of sharing a little psychological stuff here. Well, I got to put my U of M psychology degree to use somehow, so I spent a lot of time, I suffered through a lot of those final exams and papers, so let's at least put it to good use. Um, listen to these phrases. These, there's a group of people that see life through rose-colored glasses. They always look on the bright side of things, and, and you know, they find a silver lining in every storm cloud. And these phrases describe the perpetual optimist. No matter how dark circumstances are, no matter how bad life looks, they can always find something positive in this situation. Some of you in here like people like that. Some of you find them very annoying. Some of you are those people. And you don't have to out yourself now. Uh, but it's, it's certainly a great trait to have if, if you want to be rescued from the pit of, of despair and depression. These people just have an ability to look on the bright side of life. Now, there's, there's also an extreme form of this trait. Um, let me read these phrases to you. This is a group of people that fail to confront the brutal facts of life. These are people that see life as they want to see it, not as it really is. Or they could be called the spin meisters, the spin doctors. Um, now, optimism is good, but there's a tendency with an extreme optimist to see life the way they want it to be, but not how it really is. They can tend to miss reality because they're seen through a lens of their own expectation. Does that make sense? And their, and their lens is positivity, which is a good thing. And so they always see positive things, but they're seen through the lens and it's distorting what is real. Well, there's another extreme form of this too. Back in my day, when I was a kid, we used to like something called Winnie the Pooh. Oh, really? You guys know what that is? I got him with me now. That's not, if anybody's falling asleep, I'm just going to say Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh was a great, a great story, and there was a character in that named Eeyore. And poor Eeyore, he could see a dark cloud on every sunny day. He could find a reason to be sad even when everything else looked good. He just was gloomy. He was down. He was melancholy. And um, he would look at life and see it through a lens as well but it was a lens of kind of darkness and gloom and despair. Whereas Tigger, Tigger saw everything through a lens of optimism and happiness and woo, let's have fun. But both of them had a tendency to not always see reality the way it really is. And, um, and this can happen in our lives. You know, I, I have definitely been uh, growing in this area. I have a tendency personally um, I'm sure if you guys that know me, I tend to be on the really um, the pessimistic, sad side. Uh, yeah, right. If Chris believes that, he doesn't know me. So, you know, just that was kind of a family culture for me growing up. 
Uh, my mom is able to see things on the bright side of things all the time. And so when I would grow up, I grew up in a home where I had a really great, strong self-like confidence, but I didn't always see things the way they really were, and I didn't see myself the way we, I really was. I remember taking piano lessons as a kid, and my mom said, oh, honey, you're amazing. You could be a piano concerto pianist. Uh, I'm not musical. I stink at piano. But my mom just saw me as like the greatest piano pl player in the world. And so these statements, one after another, thousands upon thousands, will create uh, created within me an, an ability to see the world in a very positive light. But sometimes that prevented me from seeing things the way they really are, you know? Um, thankfully, I'm married to a wonderful woman, uh, a, a beautiful and godly woman who sees reality. Tammy's not on either side. I don't understand why you're like that. You're just like the perfect balance because she's not overly pessimistic, but she's not overly optimistic. She just sees it what it is. You know what I mean? Like, this is the world. I'm like, okay, you're right. I remember when we first got married, she's like, you don't need to buy large shirts anymore. <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean? She's like, you're not large. You're not a big man. You're, you're uh... hey, I'm up to 160. Woo, there we go. Oh, 160. Okay, that's not large, right? Uh, all the guys are like, yeah, it's not large. But see, she... back then, we won't talk about what I was then. But she, she can see life the way it really is. Why are we talking about this on Easter Sunday? That's the question. Well, here's the answer. In this passage of Scripture today, you're going to encounter two people that I believe saw the world the way they thought it was, the way that they hoped it would be, and, it, and they didn't see what really was. So much so that when the resurrected Jesus Christ himself came up to them, they couldn't even see him because they were so blinded by their own preconceptions, their own understanding of what they thought would happen in life. And so we're going to look at that in just a moment. Let's pray. And then if you want to read along, I'm going to put the scriptures up for you if you have a Bible and you want to. If you uh, are kind of one of those note takers and you want to get out the Bible, uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And um, just amazing passage in Luke 24. But let's, let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump into this. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that as we gather now around the, the Holy Scriptures, this will be more than a good teaching or a fun time, but it will be an impartation of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will meet with every man and woman in this room and that you will show them your great love and who, Jesus, you really are. So we commit it to you, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let me get a drink here. It's a little tricky to get a drink now because I'm using the handheld. How's that? See that? I did it. All right, Luke chapter 24, verse 13, amazing story. Uh, Christ has been raised from the dead. We're going to pick up the story there. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And while they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Let's stop there. So here's these two people. 
They're walking down the road, and they're talking about the events that had happened. What events? Well, they're talking about Christ and his crucifixion and his death and his burial, and they're discussing this. And can you just see them? They're just walking down the road, and as they're on the road to Emmaus, Jesus saw him. He comes up, hey, hey, guys, how you doing? And they look at him, and the scripture says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Even though Jesus was with them, they couldn't even recognize who was with them. Now, if you, if you just Google why that happened, um, don't do that. Because you're going to get all these crazy ideas. I mean, some, uh, some Bible teachers will say things like, well, Jesus was in a different form. Well, that doesn't make sense to me because many people recognize Christ post-resurrection. As a matter of fact, remember, Mary had went to the tomb and saw the empty tomb and talked with the angels, and remember, she fell down and worshipped him when she saw him? My Lord and my God, she she fell down and worshipped Christ, the risen Christ. People recognize Jesus post-resurrection. So it wasn't that he was in a different form here. Now, other people have said things like, well... The scripture says that the father, you know, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say what was keeping them from recognizing him, but they were kept from recognizing him. So an interpretation would be, well, the the father in heaven blinded their eyes for some reason. There might be part of that that could be the case. Maybe that's part of it. But I think as you go on in the passage, you're going to see there's much more going on here than you would understand if you stop right there. So let's go on and see what happens next. And he said to them, verse 17, and Jesus said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Pretty crazy question. I mean, he's like looking in the face of Jesus who just suffered and died and was buried and raised from the dead. And he asked him, do you not know what happened? I mean, you know, Jesus is like, "Uh, hello. Yeah, I know. But Jesus is gentle with them. He doesn't directly answer them. So I love what he says in verse 19. He looks at them. He asks them a question. He said, what things? He's just testing them. What? What do you think happened? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests, rulers, delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Here we see a clear clear indication that these men cannot recognize Christ because they're seeing him through the lens of what they thought he would do and who they thought he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the one that would throw off the chains of Roman oppression. He was supposed to be the one that was going to usher in the kingdom at that day in their time. He was, as they say here, a prophet. Well, yes, Christ is a prophet, but he's so much more than a prophet. This is not Moses. This is not simply Elijah. This is the Son of God. This is the one that was raised from the dead. But because they were in this time of despair, tremendous sadness, they could not recognize who Jesus really was. Now let's go on and look at verse 21. And it even further explains my point here when you look at verse 21. 
they, they look at Jesus and they go, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Can you feel their disappointment in that phrase? Can you just feel that? The sadness? See, we, we, had, we had a preconceived idea of who this Jesus was and what he was going to do. We had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel, but he didn't. Well, yes, he did. But he didn't do it the way they thought he was supposed to do it. And therefore, they're filled with doubts, uncertainty, confusion. They don't understand what's happening. And there is the Redeemer with them. The irony of this, they're walking side by side on the road to Emmaus with the Redeemer of the world. And they say, we hoped he was going to redeem Israel, but he didn't. And then they say this, yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Wow. The expectation in these people of what Christ was supposed to be and do blinded them from seeing who he truly was. And as we go on in the passage in verse 22, what did this get from Jesus in response? Well, let's, let's look. Verse 22, Moreover, some of our, the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Let's stop there. This is how blinding our own false hopes false expectations, our own lenses that we put over our spiritual eyes and our physical eyes can be, they are basically acknowledging that some of the disciples have said that the tomb is empty. Others said that Jesus, we saw Jesus, and they still can't believe, and he's right next to them. That's unbelievable that they can't see it because there's such a dark lens over their spiritual eyes. Their hearts are not open. And look at verse 25. And Jesus finally speaks clearly, and he said, O oh, foolish ones, you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So now... Jesus takes them through the scriptures and reminds them of what he had taught them when he was here on earth, takes them through the whole message. He preaches the, the good news, the Lord himself. These people have heard from other disciples that Jesus is raised, and then they believe. No, they still don't get it. They still don't get it. And that's really powerful to me because it shows that on this road to Emmaus, it, it takes time. It can take a long time for people to see who Christ really is. It, it might come quicker for some people and slower for others. But these, these guys, man, they're, ta they're taking a long time. So let's go on in the story. Let's think about what happens. Let's look at what happens next. Verse 28. And uh, this is kind of where the passage gets the good news. 
So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if, as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Just amazing, isn't it, that um, Christ is so patient with us. He was patient with me. He's patient with them. And he says, yes, I'll go into your, the house with you. So they go into the house and look at verse 30. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? Verse 31 says their eyes were opened and they finally recognized him. There is so much in this passage that I could talk about. A couple things I want to apply now to you and to your life and to mine as well. You know, this is a, an awesome story. It's a really powerful scriptural passage. But I believe it's a great parable that applies to you. You see, all of us have to walk down this road to Emmaus, every one of us. And if we hope to enter into this house of revelation that they went into, we can't leave the road. We have to go down the road. That's the only way. We have to face our doubts. We have to face them head on. We have to grapple with our preconceived ideas. We have to wrestle with false understanding of who we think Christ is and who he really is. This road to Emmaus, I believe, is this story is a type of our walk towards Christ. Every one of us has to go down this road to Emmaus. And um, I walked down that road, too. I, I still remember it. You know, I, I alluded earlier to my conversion when I came to Christ when I was 18. And, um, and that was the culmination of 18 years of walking down the road to Emmaus. I wasn't raised in the church, I, but I wanted to know truth. I, I, I had never encountered Christ, but I, I, the Holy Spirit was, was drawing me. I just didn't know it. I actually remember a story when I was a little boy, and I, I'm going to share it with you that illustrates a very small encounter I had on my road to Emmaus. Let me show you the next slide. It's a picture of, of our Lord. I wished I had the actual painting because this, many of you have seen this. It's the most famous painting of Christ in America. Has anybody seen this before? It's, it's very well known. And my uh, maternal grandparents, this is my grandma and grandpa Gallagher, they had this picture hanging in their um, spare bedroom. They had a, a three-bedroom ranch house. I remember it, every inch of it still. And I was not going to church. I didn't know Christ, but... There was so many times when I would go in that room alone and I'd shut the door and I would look at that picture. And it was like the room would be filled with light. And, and I didn't know why, but I was grappling on that road to Emmaus. Who is he? What is this? Who is this person? And I couldn't see him for who he fully was. I just didn't know. But... Once I came to Christ as an 18-year-old, and I look back, 
I could say, just like these two on the road to Emmaus, was not my heart burning within me when I looked at that image? Was not my heart burning within me? Was not the Holy Spirit trying to pull me and draw me and bring me to Christ? And um, I didn't enter into the house when I was a little kid, but I was on the road. Uh, But I did enter that house when I was 18. And when I opened up the scriptures and I read from the Gospel of Matthew, and I made it to chapter 6, and then Christ revealed himself to me. And just like those two on the road couldn't see, when they went into the house and he broke the bread, the scriptures say their eyes were open. My eyes were open, and I saw him. And you see, another, another part of this passage I think is interesting. On the road to Emmaus, these, these two were not only looking through their lens of false hopes and preconceived ideas, but they were trying to grapple and find the miracle of the resurrection through reason alone. And reason is a good thing, and it's important to use reason. It's important to use logic, and, and we try to do that. But nobody is saved by reason alone. We meet Christ through a revelation of Jesus from heaven. That's how you meet him. And you can use reason, and you can try to understand who he is, and you can ask questions, which is good. And as you're on your road to Emmaus, I I think you need to do that, right? You can't, if you're here and you're not serving Christ yet, you can't, like, get off the road to Emmaus, try to go through the woods and jump in the house, You have to go down the road all the way. You have to stay on this road. You have to ask every question. You have to wrestle with the doubts. You have to try to investigate. These are good things. We need to do it. But ultimately, when you come to Christ, it's going to be a revelation from God. It is a beautiful revelation, and that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. So, for you here, uh, before we go into prayer, and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, um, all of us have perceptions of reality, and, um, and, and that, that's fine. But when it comes to understanding Jesus, it's important to know who he really is. And um, I want to pray for you this morning that God will show you who he really is. Amen? Who is he? I know we all want to know that, and uh, I, want to, uh, I want to pray with you. I'm going to close with a, a passage before we pray um, that, man, this is another passage from John 14. This is before our Lord was crucified and was buried and raised from the dead. His disciples were on the road to Emmaus, so to speak, because they were grappling with doubts. They didn't fully understand who Jesus was. And listen to John 14. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it was not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Jesus is basically saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven for you to be with me. And you would think his disciples would go, sweet, yes, 
All right, thank you, Lord. But they were still wrestling and grappling with who is this man? Because listen to what Thomas said. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus looked at Thomas and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the light of the world. And so even his disciples, when he was on earth, had to grapple. They had to go down this road, guys. This is normal. But I pray that each of us will come to this place of, of true revelation, of understanding Jesus and who he is. Amen. I want to pray for you. If we could, let's stand together. Maybe the band uh, could come up for a closing song. Let's pray together, um, if, if we could, just let's bow our heads in his presence. I want to pray for you. If, if you're here and you want a deeper revelation of Christ, you are a Christian, but you want to know him more. You do have doubts, of course, but you want to know him more. Could you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody here that wants that? Amen. Yes. Others. All right, I'm going to pray for you. And then for those of you here, if you're here and you have not become a Christian, but you see that all your life you've been on this road to Emmaus and Jesus has been trying to reveal himself to you just like he was to me and like all of us here. And you're saying today, I want to take that first step. I want to go into that house of salvation and revelation. I want to receive Christ. If that's you, just raise your hand up. I'll pray for you. Let me see you. I won't embarrass you, obviously. Anybody? Awesome. Others? Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray, can we? Let's pray for our friends that want a greater revelation, our friends that want to receive Christ for the first time. Join me. Father, we ask that you will bless those of us that are specifically asking you to give a deeper revelation of who you are to overcome our doubts and our grappling and our wrestling on this road and to show us more of who you are. And Father, for our friends in here that want to receive you this morning for the first time and, and, and feel you drawing them to you, Lord, bless them. Draw them to yourself, we pray. And may this revelation of Christ change their life for eternity. We thank you, God, for this incredible day, this beautiful Easter morning. We commit our lives to you now, and we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.